Well, good afternoon. Uh, it's a gloomy and depressing January afternoon here at Guildford and Sally's flat. However, we're feeling pretty, pretty perky, aren't we? Um, we are. And we have a lot of stuff to talk about, some astrology to talk about. Uh, I think we there's a lot of retrodiction. You know, there's a lot of looking back um, that we want to do about this uh, Saturn-Pluto conjunction. And then we want to talk about the sign Aquarius. And then we'll look at the month ahead. Um, but there's quite a lot to pack in this time, I think, because mm. of what's been happening. Mm. Yeah, I mean, the Saturn-Pluto, which was January the 12th, the exact day, there's kind of events leading up to that in the world that really showed um, very strongly yeah. for it. Yeah, yeah. They, just, they show, Well, do you know, the thing about this Saturn-Pluto conjunction is all astrologers have been saying 12th of January, blah, 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 13th of January... But don't forget that we've, those two planets have been working together throughout 2019. So there have been, a, yeah. and I do think this is about endings yeah. um, and other stuff. Mm. And I think that we saw this, um, and I wouldn't say this is the ending of the endings, but, you know, this is a, a, a an end point for many things. And the most obvious example well, one of the most obvious examples is the royal family. Mm, which we do want to talk about, don't we? Yeah, let's talk about it now. Let's do it. Um, Megxit. Oh, bless. Megxit. It sounds quite sweet, doesn't it? Well, no, because it reminds me of Brexit. <laughs> okay, not obviously. so good. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, a massive ending. A massive change within the royal family. One of the real establishments... You know, Capricorn, strong establishment. And I have to say, I didn't see this coming, actually. Uh, do you know, I will... Um, I did think something was going to happen because of Catherine Middleton and William's charts. Okay. Well, I didn't see it coming with Meghan and Harry. Oh, right, no. I, but, I wasn't thinking about them particularly. I mean, we had this, we've had this kind of astrology, haven't we, where, I mean, Uranus... In Taurus has been triggering both the Queen's chart and Prince Charles's chart. They have the sun and moon at zero degrees. So we've had this Uranus factor kind of saying, okay, change is coming. Yeah. Possible abdication, Uranus. But nothing happened until kind of now. Oh, there's more as well. I mean, we don't really, there's more, you know, the, we talk, the, the Meghan and Harry thing is very important. Mm. But I think there's more change coming to the royal family. Oh, I agree. You I know, agree. I, I think that the Uranus thing is still, it's an ongoing thing. I still think the Queen may step aside for Charles. Mm. You know, this is part of a process. I mm. think that this has come, clearly they've jumped the gun somewhat, um, Meghan and Harry. Yeah. And said that they have to They have to go. But, uh, you know, the timing is fantastic, actually. Well, it is fantastic, but blimey, hasn't it created a controversy in no. our country? I mean, everybody has their opinion on, on this. I wrote an article on my website and put it on my social media. People went berserk over it. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, real suddenly, almost kind of like war going on yeah. on social media. I mean, it really, that's what struck me so much, the well, outpouring. Well, one of the things from Megan's point of view is from her chart. Yes. Is that she has Saturn and Pluto on the descendant. Yes. This conjunction is on her descendant. So this is when and the seventh house, the descendant, you have to remember is the chart 
is the place in the chart for open enemies and friends. And people are very angry with her for some reason. But anyway, they are. And, and she's getting a lot of flack for this. Yeah. Um, deservedly or not. I mean, I, I don't know. But um, she she has got the Saturn-Pluto conjunction on her descendant. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, however, I mean, I've we looked at the charts. I think what I find very interesting is what it does in, cher- in cherries, cherries, <laughs> cherries, cherries oh, chart, cherries chart, <laughs> Harry's chart. It's the Saturn Pluto is actually incredibly powerful for him, and mm. he's an example. Mm. I think that we've said this before that for Virgos and for um, Taurians, the Saturn Pluto conjunction can be very empowering. Yes. And for him, it makes a fantastic trine to both his sun in Virgo and his uh, moon in Taurus. Mm. That's right, isn't it? Yes, it, that's it right. creates a fantastic grand trine. Yeah. This guy, you know, if you didn't know the story, you would say this guy is definitely taking power to himself. Mm. He is protecting his family. Yeah, and that really, I think, is key because of the trine to the moon. Absolutely. And his Absolutely. It's clear, you know, when yeah. you look at his chart, exactly what's happening yeah. for him. And he's he, he's stepping into a new, uh, to feeling more powerful. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And also, I mean, this, you know, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, not surprisingly, has tied in with a lot of the members of the royal family um, on the Queen's ascendant, on her Capricorn ascendant. So for her, this really is... You know, a turning point. She's agreed that they're going to step back, and she has also said that you know she would prefer them not to. Um, so for her, it's a kind of finality as well. It's a real ending. It's an it's a real significant ending that this is changing. You know, the way the royal family is seen, is viewed, what they can and can't do. Um, it's just fascinating astrology. And she's been the main man or main woman in the royal family forever you know and it's been about her yeah um even when it was about diana for a bit but really it's about her and the saturn pluto is on her ascendant Mm. her attitude to everything is changed yeah i'm sure that's what's happened it makes a very nice sextile to her saturn however um, and I think that's which her Saturn, the Queen's Saturn, which is really important if you're a person in charge, um, is at the top of her chart. She mm. is the manager. She is the boss. She is the head of state. And getting a sextile to that is actually, in some ways, this is, uh, she's going, it's empowering again. Mm. Um, it's not, a, it's actually not at a bad angle at all. It's at a good angle to that. Yeah, and I, I think this also is in Charles' chart. His son is at 22 Scorpio, so yeah. very close to the Queen's Saturn. I mean, they have such incredible sinistry yeah. connections between their two charts. Um, but also the Saturn, therefore, is in a good angle to his son Scorpio. So I actually think, you know, even though the media is going like the royal family hate this, I think Harry in particular is going to get a lot of support. I think Harry is going to do great. Mm. Uh, he's because it's you know doing really well in his chart. I feel really sorry for Meghan because she's going to has a lot of flack coming at her. Yeah. Um, I think the Queen and and Charles are going to manage this. Yeah. Their way out of this. Yeah. Um, the people that I wonder about who are actually having to take this on 
It's also, interestingly enough, she's it's on the Queen's uh, it, nodes as well, isn't it? Mm. Which match Catherine Middleton's nodes. We don't call her that anymore, do we? She's the Duchess of something. Duchess of Cambridge. Let's just call her Kate. Kate. <laughs> Catherine... And, oh, I just called her Catherine immediately. Well, you can call her Catherine. I, I feel formal with her. Okay, like. okay. <laughs> Catherine. Catherine. Uh, she, is, she is an interesting person. The reason I thought something might happen is simply because she's mm. born in 1982. Mm. She has the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in her chart. That was the last time, wasn't it? There yeah, was the Saturn-Pluto conjunction. the last time. Yeah. And so is William. He's born in that year. Hers is much tighter. She was also born on an eclipse. Yep. Uh, in fact, there's been another eclipse on her birthday, pretty much around her birthday. So I, that's why, and I wonder, to me, this may, this is an example, probably, of how Saturn Pluto, it takes power away from people, but it also gives them more power. She thinks she's going to be under a lot of more pressure now because well, Meghan gonna, and mm, Harry took it away, didn't they? And I was going to say more power, yeah. whether you want it or not. Yeah. There's a lot of duty and responsibility around this, isn't there? Yeah. Um, for, for Kate and William, I think. And for William, you can also see that, you know, this is, I think, this is quite painful for him. Yeah. It falls square to his Pluto, which rules his Scorpio midheaven. So, you know, there, there must be... Harry and William are very close. Yeah. I mean, you can just see it. And he must think, you know, it could be a lonelier place now. Mm. A lonelier place, this taking on this position, this role, you know, with his brother mm. out the way. So I think it, you know, I think it's both for William and Kate, I think it shows as being quite painful um, and kind of elevates them. Yeah, it elevates them away, you know, which is often a hard thing. Mm. Um. And it gives them, they have to be, they have to get more serious mm. and yet more serious about yeah. what they're, what it actually means and what they really, um, because we all know, knew, you know, just being sensible about it. Mm. Royal family can't, you know, it's only the Queen, Charles, and then William and his family. You know, that's the, that is the line of, um, you know, I want to say the line of duty, but that's, you know, those these are the heirs to the throne. Yeah. So everybody else doesn't count, really. And that's another reason this is really good timing. It's a good thing that Harry and um, Meghan are stepping back because why should they do this? Yeah. You know, they need to consider what... And people get very worked up about the fact that, you know, there's taxes and blah, blah, blah. And, but you have to ask yourself, what is exactly the role of the royal family? What is it exactly? What is the real role of the royal family? And that is what William and Kate will be actually considering, is what is our real role? There's the constitutional stuff that the Queen mm. does, opening mm. Parliament mm. and all that, but what is all the other stuff? And it may be that they will define it after this more rigorously. and Because it's been a kind of wobbly thing, what the royal family really does. I mean, they open charities and they go on tours and stuff. Mm. But that might not be the future. Mm. Because well, the Commonwealth is not the future, yeah. despite Brexit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. And it's just, you know, for me, it's just this this, this one um, story, in a way, just is showing this shift as well from Capricorn to Aquarius, mm -hmm. which is such a big theme of 2020, and also is playing out, actually, in the kind of more personal astrology that we're in right now as we move 
as the personal planets move from Capricorn to Aquarius. Um, you know, there, there are the old order is breaking down to create this new order. I mean, what they're doing is so symbolic of, um, mm. you know, potentially the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Aquarius at the end of the year. They are wanting to be more independent. Mm. They're not wanting to be in this hierarchical role. They're wanting to play out their lives in a different way. And there is this issue or this sense of freedom mm. around what they're doing. You know, we don't want to be part of this Capricorn hierarchy anymore. We want to do things our way, which I think is a real kind of symbolic way of looking at the Capricorn Aquarius shift that's going on. I completely agree. I, I also think what's interesting about this is that it highlights the British class system, mm -hmm. uh, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, there are questions of class that come up with this um, about you know what is what does the class system mean. What does it mean having a royal family at the top of the tree? Mm. How does that make people behave? You know, um, the I was thinking about how this affects the UK chart. And, of course, on the UK chart, the Saturn-Pluto conjunction is pretty much opposite the moon, mm. which is, on the one hand, represents the people in the mundane chart. But on the other hand, it represents the family yeah. the moon at the top of the mm. social hierarchy. Yeah. Um, and it's opposite to, it's actually, uh, the UK Vesta is at 24 degrees of Capricorn, which is, you know, Vesta is about the sacred flame, what makes this place, you know, maybe it could be about what makes a country sacred. And it's definitely true, I mean, in, it seems to me in some ways true that the royal family rep represents some kind of... I mean, it sounds crazy, but some kind of spiritual connection between the people and the land. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the tradition of a royal mm -hmm. family. Mm -hmm. And what is the royal person? The royal person is the uh, is the incarnation, to some extent, of the country. Um, and it's interesting that that's where this con this conjunction, which is one of our endings, is landing is on Vesta itself. Mm. Um, and what we what the legacy is, what we're passing on from one generation to the next. Mm. So and, lots of food for thought, yeah. really, with all of this. Very interesting timing. Yeah. I well, I'm, do you do think the timing's good? Yes, I do. Yeah, I mean, me too. I think it's brilliant timing, actually. Good for them. Yeah. You know, and um, you know, I think it's going to work out. Uh, it'll work out well. Well, in the long term, I think it's going to be a tough ride. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a tough ride for a while for them on a personal level, but I think it will. I think it's right. I do yeah. think it's right. I think it's hard for Meghan in particular and actually William and Kate. Yeah. But, yes. but you know, the other way to look at this is something hard was going to happen. So it's better to be in, have it under your control than to have it out of your control. Sure, sure. So what else are we we need to think about Aquarians, do we now? Should we move on to our sign of the month, Aquarius? Or is there more you want to say on Saturn Pluto? Um, nothing that, you know, I mean, there's some obvious little Saturn Pluto things that happen like that volcano erupting, mm. you know, and... Uh, little know, Saturn Pluto things like the assassination. <laughs> the, the old assassination, which, and the whole mm. Iran thing. Yeah. I mean, one thing that I would just say about Saturn Pluto is... It ain't over, okay? We've had the conjunction, mm. but and we had that whole year leading up to it, then we have the conjunction. But the you know, when you look back in history, you know, the repercussions of these Saturn Pluto conjunctions 
they unfold over many years that follow. In particular, it's quite interesting to look seven years on. So 1982, you have the death of Brezhnev, and then 1989, the Berlin Wall falls mm. down. And mm. the reason I say seven years is that's a Saturn, that's a quarter of a Saturn thing. Um, quarter of the Saturn cycle, so Saturn moves on. Uh, so, you know, this is not the things that happen around now. And and this is personal as well, will affect, may well affect the next seven years or even the next 35 years. You know, it's mm-hmm. an unfolding cycle that takes mm-hmm. a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I, I've said, written this on my blog, but if you were born with either the conjunction of Saturn and Pluto in your chart, which would be 1982, 1947, 1914, 15, then you will be feeling this. But also, if you have the opposition, which is 1932, 1965, 66, um, 2001, you, you know, this is your stuff. And actually, the squares are also important too, but I, we can't get when I did the um, my recent sort of lecture in Oxford, but one very significant and easy to understand example for people is the is this um, is nine eleven happened on the opposition of Saturn and Pluto wasn't exact it was about three degrees away but it was on that opposition in two thousand and one and this recent assassination in Iran happened on the conjunction so that and there is a pattern there of you know there's a narrative there i think that we can follow mm. um so i think it's useful to look back at your own life and mm. just look at those years and ask yourself you know what did anything significant happen then was that a turning point yeah although uh, i do for me as well i mean i do see this bigger narrative but like i'm just thinking on a personal level mm. i mean there has been um you know significant ending in my mm. life and actually around the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, I felt this real level of acceptance with the ending. Yes. It was like the ending is final and I can move on. Yeah. So it may be as well that you're experiencing, um, you know, some of our listeners will be experiencing in that way, that there's something that they have been able to close the door on just this month yeah. um, in January. You know, and there is an acceptance around that. There's a real finality and letting go as well. Mm. I mean, it works on different levels, doesn't it, um, the astrology? Yeah, I mean, I can use some really simple examples from my own life. You know, I was born in on a Saturn-Pluto opposition, exact. So I can feel it in my guts, this one. Um, and I left home on a conjunction, my parents' home. I, on the um, opposition, I did, I actually walked the Camino Santiago just after that. And then I got together with my current partner finally after years of this and that, um, you know, back and forth, and got pregnant. So I started my family. And I think those are really, you know, being born is pretty significant. Born, left my parents' home, Mm. started my own family. Mm. So it's the Saturn-Pluto cycle. Yeah. It's interesting. I had a similar cycle on the eclipses. Oh, really? On the Cancer Capricorn eclipses. Born left for university. This is an 18-year cycle. Yeah. Um, then the next one was a real settling down one. 
Met yeah. partner, had baby, got house, lots of responsibility. Yeah. Um, and then on the last one, Boom. sold the family home. <laughs> and you daughter felt... left home, yeah. moved on from relationship. So yeah, you, these cycles are so important, aren't they? Yeah. And I, you know, you were saying that it's the Saturn Pluto was squaring your moon. Wasn't My it? moon, yeah. And that's been a sort of end of that mm. family, isn't mm. it? It has, it has. And an acceptance around it, actually. Yeah. Really feeling that on the mm. on the Saturn Pluto. Right, that's over, you say to yourself. Yeah, it's Gosh. over. New beginnings. New beginnings. So I think we should move on to Aquarius. Okay, okay. You want to move on? I do want to move on. Yeah. Are you ready to move on? Well, I love Aquarians, obviously. They're one of the most clever, interesting signs. Mm. If they can, you know, if they can live out their true nature which is a complicated one mm. um what do you think about the ruler saturn or uranus or both both yeah me too and i see i it's interesting really you know i see some aquarians who are very saturn very kind of scientific technical um you know their life is about organization structure order i see some who are the kind of real new age hippie eccentric um, off the wall, very innovative. And I see some who, you know, both planets are playing out in their lives, actually. They have mm. a bit of both. Yeah, so yeah. they can be real geniuses. Oh, yeah, definitely. It's a real genius sign, actually, Aquarius. Yeah, it's the fixed, it's the fixed air mm. sign, of course. It's all about, and those little zigzaggy things, they're thought waves, aren't mm. they not? You mm. know, the symbol for Aquarius is thought waves and electricity. Um, yeah, I completely agree with that, Saturn and... Uh, Uranus's people are both yeah well, sometimes they're very much more one than the other it tends to depend on the chart yeah and I think you know a lot of people think Aquarius is a water sign as well don't they because it's got aqua in the title yeah but it's uh, and the symbol is the water bearer mm. but it's not it's this kind of transmission of things mm. it's being the kind of conductor definite air sign mm. I mean I know some real kind of clever airhead quite detached from emotion type Aquarians actually you need to really sort of mm. dig in, worm in to get them to, what are you feeling about this? Because they, they live in their heads quite a lot. I mean, they live in their, you know, their mind, their brain is what drives them. Yeah, I mean, they can become very, you know, have difficulty expressing their emotions, mm. actually. Mm. You need to figure out a way to do that. Moon and Aquarius is like that, too. I love Moon and Aquarius. Yes. Um, very friendly, fun, uh lunar you know companion to have mm. um mm. but it also people with moon and aquarius kind of have difficulty expressing their emotions mm. they have them just the same as everybody else but it's like yeah it just kind of fit it takes longer to access them yeah. sometimes or they have to stop and think how to access yeah. them yeah. <laughs> i think that's it um and also the other thing i love about them is their you know ability to to be in the future yeah they are future oriented i mean they can be visionary they rebel mm. i mean this is the real it's the rebel isn't it james dean rebel without a cause was a classic aquarian um you know the one step ahead they don't want to conform and fit in actually although i think with aquarians that's um you know growing up sometimes it is trying to find their place can be a real aquarius issue how do you fit in but where they're best is actually kind of leading leading the way, stepping out of um, tradition and conventionality, doing things differently. They're real rule breakers, actually, which I love about them. Yeah, it's a great sign. 
Um, my daughter, one of my daughters is um, Moon and Aquarius, and her favorite actress is Jennifer Aniston, of course, who is a great Aquarian mm. example of how to do life your own way, mm. you know? Mm. Um, and, and it was in Friends, and, you know. Yeah, which is that sort of, she was, you know, I, I watched the whole of Friends again last year, which was quite a... With your daughter, presumably. Obviously. <laughs> it's my mother, you know, bonding thing. Mm. And it was interesting watching that, but I have to say, she is the standout person in mm. that. Mm. She really is, you know, she's fantastic all the way through, whereas some of them have a whole season where they can, you know, barely get it together to act. Um, and it's interesting also that her acting career goes on and on. Yeah. You know? It does. Um, it does. She's kind of ageless as well, isn't she? There's something about her that she always comes across as just so youthful. Yeah. Youthful, youthful. yet not mutton de- dressed as lamb. Not at all. Just yeah. parade, kind of free spirit usefulness. Yeah. Girl next door, classic. It's a classic um, symbol of that. Yeah, and a great comedian, mm. of course, which is is an Aquarian yeah. thing. Eddie Izzard. He's the cl- he's the big one, isn't he? Yeah. With like a zillion planets. He's born in sixty two, isn't he? I think is that that's the big year. Yes, nineteen sixty two. If you're born, um, I know it's February the fifth, around about that date. That was when the moon was in Aquarius, and that you have all seven traditional planets. In Aquarius, I mean, it's a real super Aquarius era, and I know I've come across quite a few people mm-hmm. who have that, and they do tend to lead quite extraordinary lives. Not surprisingly, I don't think it's easy. No, I don't think it's necessarily easy. They're sometimes so off the wall and far out. You know, there's there's a slight craziness around it. They want life to be crazy and different sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a group on Facebook, actually. Aquarius, I think it's called Aquarius 1962. Oh, really? Pe- yeah, for people who are born during that major, major lineup of planets in Aquarius, um, which will probably be having more Aquarians coming in as the major planets start moving into Aquarius. It's going to be insane for you guys next year, I think. Yes. Everything's going to be in Aquarius yes. again. Insane and great. Yeah. I mean, it's your, you know, you're coming into your own. And I think maybe what's going to happen in this month, I mean, we're now going to look at the astrology of the month from January the 20th to February the 19th when the sun moves through Aquarius. This will give you some little glimmers about what's coming, I think. I think anything that's seeded now, anything you get involved in now, anything you begin could really take off big time. Yeah, maybe in 2021 not in 20, onwards. Yeah, so it's good to plan ahead, mm. you know, and actually that's quite an Aquarian thing too, isn't it? Mm. They're mm. not necessarily, they're funny and quick with the brain, but they can often not be the most spontaneous. They often have a big plan, you know, an Aquarian, especially if you're a more Saturnine Aquarian. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, um, and also I think another thing with them is they can be quite stubborn. So they get too fixed on one idea and they actually need some flexibility to kind of be able to change track or, you know, work with the ideas. They can get a bit stubborn as well. Hmm. Um, So, well, do you know, can we just mention the Oscars? Let's. That's very exciting. Because it's really interesting that, you know, the Oscars are Tinseltown celebrates itself. Uh, the glitter, the glamour, the clothes, the dresses, the red carpet. Mm. Of course, that's normally all Pisces. Mm. 
And recently, it's been Neptune in Pisces. However. Yeah. For one year only. <laughs> in 2020. It's, they've moved the Oscars back. Mm. Uh, so it's actually got sun in Aquarius yes. this year. It's on February the 9th. Um, so this is a completely different feel. Um, I always do Oscar predictions. It's mm. one of the things I love looking at. Mm. Um, and it's such a radical chart this year because Uranus, which is Aquarius' planet, is sitting on the midheaven. Um, and we have this sun in Aquarius. So it's such, I mean, it's, you know, it is normal. Pisces is Hollywood, Neptune's um, star sign. And we have this very different kind of wacky feel. Could there be shocks with this? There could be shock results, I imagine. Yeah, there could be shock results, or it could be a sort of shock event in itself. Yes. Like, I mean, it's interesting that there's no host. Is there? Is that right? Yeah, there wasn't last year, but there is no. They've decided that's a good thing, so yeah. that feels very collective in it a way. It's very Iranian. It? It's like let's all get together and yeah. kind of sort of muddle through, muddle yeah. through the Oscars as yeah. a uh, you know group enterprise. Mm. Um, it's going to be a. You know, if you're making bets, it's going to be a, the winners will be your something Uranus and Taurus about them, won't they? We think so, which means I think the Joker gets a good mm. look in with that because um, you know the Joker is very Uranian energy, and also the other one I think is interesting is Marriage Story because it's about a divorce and Uranus is the divorce planet. So my first little inklings, I think those two films could um, could be up there. And also, just having, um, I mean, I will write more about this, but having a quick look at some of the nominees, a lot of them have really strong Uranus, which is interesting. There's a lot of them that have Uranus very closely conjunct one of the personal planets. So a very different feel and a different energy to it this year, definitely. Mm. Exciting. It'll be interesting just to look at the dresses, you know, and see whether people are dressed differently, if they're more outrageous. There might be a sci-fi theme or something, or lots of really weird and wacky stuff, not so much flowing gowns, maybe different style. people may be really dressed down, which is very Uranian. Uranus and Taurus is like, I I would bet that there will be a lot of people wearing, uh, you know, recycled stuff or ethically sourced that's all going to be yes. part of the story yes. about the about the red carpet at the Oscars. Yeah. So now what? <laughs> <laughs> now we're on month ahead. I am getting rid of this Oscars chart. Ping! I'm pinging it away, and I'm going to put up transits of the month ahead. It's actually, you know, this month, which is between January twentieth to February nineteenth, that we're looking at. Thank God there's not so much going on astrologically, frankly, because we all need to recover a bit from the what's been happening in, in Capricorn Yeah, it in must January. Be, in a way, we were looking at it, and think, that's why we wanted to talk a lot about the Saturn-Pluto, because it's quite a straightforward month. All the planets are direct. There's this forward-moving motion. Um, so I think, you know, in general, it's really a month to, to kind of maybe recover yeah <laughs> maybe recover and just start this is the time actually to start putting some plans in place and looking ahead um to the rest of the year and, and what's going on mercury does turn retrograde on february the 17th as well so that's just warning light a flag up um that we're then moving into a mercury retrograde phase so this is the time to do whatever is Aquarius for you? Where does Aquarius fall in your chart? And we have the new moon in Aquarius on January the 24th, near the start of this month. Um, 
really unencumbered by other planets. It's just kind of getting on with it. It's fantastic for starting new things. Yeah. I mean, for especially, you know, for certain signs. Mm. So Libra, I would say, and uh, Gemini, you know, the other air signs. You, you know, this is the start of, for Gemini, say, it's the start of a new term, new learning thing. Um, for Libra, it's the, you know, the start of a possibly new creative project or mm. trying to have a baby. Um, mm. It's time to get on with things. And one of the things, hopefully, Saturn-Pluto may have done, or this whole stuff happening in Capricorn, is it may have cleared the way for something. And now there's, like, yeah. fresh air can come in. Mm. One thing I would say about this uh, as well is to kind of take advantage of the fresh air wafting around this month because things, you know, it's like we're in the dark. We, but we're walking through woods this year through, I don't want to say murk wood because that's too gloomy, but we are walking through woods. We're walking through a kind of a dark corridor of, you know, there are heavy trees with moss dripping down and it's, you can't see what's underfoot. But this after the 20th of January, we're in a kind of open glade in that wood. So it's time to, you know, uh, sort clothes out, have a picnic, look up at the sun. You know, there's a kind of, you're able to breathe a bit more. Mm. Because actually when Mars goes into Capricorn, all that Capricorn stuff is going to get triggered again. Yeah, which again is at the end of this month. It's on the 16th of February. Mars for now is in Sagittarius, so that feels like firing arrows in the sky. Great news for Sagittarius, actually, having Mars in your star sign. An excellent time to kind of, you know, do all things Sagittarian. Be adventurous. um, Explore. You know, learn something new. Book a holiday. Take a trip. Whatever. But, you know, really get things moving with Mars in your star sign. Um, and also for Pisces, that's a real job. It's a real career one. Go, go, go with your career while Mars is in Sagittarius, which is till the 16th of this month. Yes. It's, yes, Mars is speedy, isn't it? It's about, yeah. it's about not, you know, you just do it. You take action. You get things moving. So that's a really key advice for Pisces. Um, it only comes every two, a couple of years, so you need to do it when it, get, when, when it does goes across your career angle you need to take that yeah i actually like the new moon um for the fixed uh, signs because it's kind of unencumbered i think this is a time to tackle things um so particularly like for scorpio this is about your home and family mm-hmm. um things that you need to kind of get moving maybe start negotiations discussions around that as well in aquarius Maybe looking for somewhere new to live as well. Aquarius is always this kind of community feel or getting together with friends, that kind of feel to it. And the opposite sign, Taurus, this for you, Aquarius, is about your career. It's about your vocation. Um, probably a good time actually to update your technology or make sure that your communications are working quickly, rapidly, speedily, that you can, you know, connect and reach out fast with all the Aquarius um, astrology going on. Because it does rule technology as well. Yeah. It's all things modern. I'm going to be getting my Taurus child a um, new computer, actually. Well, there you go. It's perfect on the new moon. It is perfect timing. Um, You know, and for Leo, it's all about your relationships. Again, you know, it's that time of year. What are you doing for Valentine's Day? Leo, you know, is it going to be long-stemmed red roses or is it going to be, uh, you know, a, a 
cheese souffle or, you know, what are you doing for your beloved? And I just want to say on that note, I imagine Megan's thinking about this as well, Leo. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's thinking about her Valentine's Day already. I hope they have a nice Valentine's. But yes, it is very much relationships, isn't it, for for Leo and your opposite sign. New beginnings as well. You could fall in love if you're single um, with that new moon. And also, if you're in a relationship or married, then start over in some way. You know, bring date nights into your weekly schedule. Um, but yes, there's this sense of of the new, turning a new page in your relationships. It's good for all forms of partnership for Leo. Yeah, it's also good for just, you know, um, this new moon. There's a real nice energy about the new moon, isn't there? Mm. Um, I like it's uh, it's squaring Uranus, mind you. So it, which gives it a little bit of uh, bounce, edge, a little bit of zhuzh, mm. doesn't it? Mm. Um, so if you're looking for, uh, for example, if you're hiring someone like a uh, who's in some form of partnership, that could be like a therapist or something. I think that you know you could choose someone a little bit wacky or a little bit unexpected. This mm-hmm. is I'm still thinking for Leos, mm-hmm. um, but the other people who might be um, hiring, I suppose, where this new moon takes place is Virgo, um, and you might want to look at hiring someone or getting a, a you know another colleague who is you know, getting a new colleague in who's unusual and has an unusual and interesting brain this is for Virgos particularly you want to be looking at someone with a weird and interesting mind who's going to take your project or whatever it is a little bit further mm. Mm. Um, so what else is happening later on I'm just looking at this. You know, the the other thing that's happening at the end of this last week of January, which I have to say I quite like, is that because Venus that goes into is in Pisces now, and Venus I think will be in Pisces. Is it till the end of this time? When does she move? No, she moves into Aries on I think it's the seventh of February. But she's primarily in Pisces actually, in her sign of exaltation, and she makes great. Um, contacts to all those planets in Capricorn. Yeah. At so, the end of January, beginning of February, this all kicks in. I think it's lovely. And she makes a, a conjunction with Neptune on the... 27th of 20, January. Which is a beautiful... Mm. That is fantastic energy. It's, you know, beautiful for Virgos again, you know, very loving. Uh, universal love meets real, you know, human love. Uh, and... I think it's also really good um, for Scorpios, actually. Yeah. Could be very romantic. Yeah, because it's in your romance sector, the Venus-Neptune. Um, and for Cancer as well, mm. maybe more kind of spiritual, actually, or inspirational for Cancer. I mean, Venus, you know, Venus and Neptune work so well together. They're kind of like the lower octave and higher octave of each other. They both have this kind of giving um, boundless quality about them you know love at its best is boundless isn't it especially in Pisces right? in Pisces and that's why she's exalted in Pisces yeah. yeah yeah so it is it's gorgeous and it's gorgeous I think for creative um, projects as well art music poetry really kind of finding your muse losing yourself mm. really nice for Pisces actually I mean, yeah you know I think Pisces could be a good month for Pisces and, you know, actually it could be a good month for um, 
you know, both for Sagittarians, mm-hmm. I think, you know, this is about having this in your home. So it's about making your home a sanctuary of love mm-hmm. and a spiritual place. You know, you might want to have a meditation circle in your place or a Methodist, you know, or a Quaker meeting or something mm-hmm. like that. It's, it's about uh, welcoming people in, mm-hmm. nice people. Yeah. Um, and you would be the instigator of that mm-hmm. as a Sagittarian with your Mars and Mars in your sign. Yeah. You know, is you need to actually go out and do something about it and get those people in. And for Gemini's, I think this is also very nice. This last, the whole of the last week of January and into the first week of February, because Venus is going across your mid heaven. You're super popular, probably. Uh, and you're or, prob- or meeting the right people, meeting the right people. Mm. If you're, um, you know, actress or in or musician or someone in that industry in the creative industries it could be you know a moment when you actually get your work seen get yourself seen yeah and I also think it'd be good financially because you know the there's a nice flow at the moment between Pisces and Capricorn so for Gemini in particular that could be really good financially um you know new beginnings in your career in your vocation or around that area of life, mm. especially if you're getting, in, if you're, if you're a Gemini, and you need investors, yes. this would be the time to do that. Yes, absolutely. You could get quite uh, serious money, mm-hmm. um, and long-term money for a project, especially if you're the creative person. Mm. You know, mm. um, and then that relationship will evolve quickly next year with the eclipses but that's for another thing and also i like what's you know this what's happening at the end of january beginning of february i also like for capricorn i mean you know um, i think for capricorn this has been a really peak season so far yeah uh, because of all the kind of heavy planetary energy but you have jupiter in your star sign um and the capricorn pisces mix as well is to me about you know it's meeting the right people again there's a sense of making a big difference, um, making the right connections, um, maybe getting your, you know, your voice heard further and wide as well. So I think this, this, um, it's a real shift for Capricorn moving forward. So I think it'll be easier times as well. Mm. Um, and also maybe if you've stepped up to, you know, a new role or position of authority, actually this is what, you know, now suddenly um other people are sitting up and taking notice they're listening in um and you're you're getting a lot of coverage in whatever you're doing mm. it's a lucky day isn't it? i mean the sextile between um jupiter and venus is lovely isn't it and that's sort of around the 23rd of january i guess 22nd yeah, 23rd close to the new moon isn't it yeah close to that new moon and i you know i can see that that's actually very lucky for capricorn mm. It's lucky for Pisces. Mm. You know, it's a nice day. And, you know, one of the things when we were looking ahead at this year is there, are there any conjunction? There, there's uh, no conjunction of Jupiter and Venus this year. Is that right? No. So you have to look for the sextiles and the trines. Yes. Um, and the this two is, best planets coming together. Yeah. And this, that, there's a sextile of... Uh, which is important for all the Earth signs and all the water signs, that sextile on the 22nd of Jan. Uh, so I would say Cancerians, for example, you know, you, for Cancerians, there's this feeling to a certain extent of helplessness that you may have had. 
Things are out of your control. That's another thing I was thinking about Prince William, actually. Mm. Things are not in your control. You know, everything is, and everybody else is lined up against you. It's not in your control. There's nothing you can do about it, right? Mm. However, there's some really nice advice and mentoring that you can get from maybe a woman. Yeah. Um, And that's especially true around that last week in January. Mm. Mm. Um, You know, if you want to have advice, like, say, if you've got a legal case going on, um, this is for cancer, you know, you could, you would be well advised to get that advice Mm. now. Yeah. Agreed. Especially before Mercury goes retrograde. Yep. February the 17th. Um, should we have a look at the full moon as well? Yeah. Because I think time-wise we're oh, whizzing on. Okay, I'm getting rid of that. We can never get it back. Now. Ooh. So nine, the nine... full moon is on the 9th of February. And really this is, you know, the full moon is the major astrology before we get to the Mars moving into Capricorn, Mercury turning retrograde. It's the kind of peak moment, which is the Oscars, which is quite lovely, I think. Um but yeah, this full moon with the moon in Leo opposing um, the sun in Aquarius. So let's make a bit of a connection to the Mars in um, Sagittarius, the moon's trine Mars, isn't it? Yeah. Which um, I think is quite nice for Aries as well. With Mars in Sagittarius, this is definitely a time for you to be firing your arrows into the air, doing more of what you love, actually. If you've been under the cosh at work, or you've been under pressure, or you've been out of a job, whatever the Capricorn heaviness has meant for you, this is a time to actually seek pleasure, seek joy, um, and, and really find either find ways to, to put work to one side and get out into the world and do more of what you love, or maybe, you know, find something, a new way of working. Um, with all the astrology that's going on. I quite like that for Aries. Mm. Actually, and just on a really kind of basic astrology note for Aries, you may have to travel. Yes. For work. Yes. Um, and that would be a beneficial thing to do. Mm. Mm. Um, and you may that may become... Well, no, I don't know about that. But I was going to say it may become more evident at the full moon. But the full moon certainly triggers... The uh, that Mars again, doesn't it? Mm. It's making a nice trying to the Mars. Mm. It is. Um, the one thing about uh, Aries, though, that's really important is that uh, the Venus moves into Aries just before that full moon. Um, so you've got Venus in your sign now. Yeah, you know anybody with Aries, uh, Sun in Aries, Aries rising, Venus in your, you know, in there, is the time when you're, you know, at your most attractive. Blah blah blah. Get your hair cut. Have fun. You're, um, uh, you're ready for attention mm-hmm. for people to pay attention to you, mm-hmm. and uh, you're at your, you know, one of your most attractive periods during the year. Mm-hmm. I like this this full moon for Leo as well. That that moon is really strong um, in Leo, so I think it could be a peak moment for the Leos as well. Mm. I, won- I wonder whether we'll see any Leo Oscar winners actually with the full moon taking place in and the sign of royalty. It could be an interesting full moon as well for Meghan and Harry. I reckon this full moon maybe more developments on that front. Yeah, well, that story is not finished, is it? That's not finished, and this full moon could definitely bring in more. I think we've been talking for quite a long time. Oh, have time, we? Christina. Blah blah blah. <laughs> I think we have. So um, I'm just wondering 
what we need to say well, to maybe complete. I feel that we've, you know, said what we have to say, which is that this, you know, it's important that you know about this Mercury retrograde coming up, but it yes. is only a Mercury retrograde. Currently, all the planets are full tilt ahead, so you can get things done. Think of that glade in the middle of the forest. You know, this is a good moment for, um, uh, you know, this, these few weeks are a good moment to get take uh, to take a breath and get some air in your lungs. Get some air in your lungs and start looking ahead. Mm. Seriously, this is the time for planning. I think particularly whatever's come to an end, now look at what has opened up, where there's space in your life um, and where you can, yeah, get some, I was going to say fresh blood. That's not the word, is it? <laughs> fresh blood. Fresh blood. <laughs> Sounds very scorpionic. <laughs> yes. But some freshness, some excitement. Okay, well... See you next month, or listen here. What is it we say? Talk to you next month. We will talk to you next month. We look forward to it. Take care. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.